Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. Today we're going to be doing the third episode in our Shang Tsu series, which I'm looking forward to because I uh, I haven't I don't I'm not very familiar with this myself, so I'm going to be listening in rapt attention along with you guys. <laughs> so Pete, do you want to describe what it is that we're going to do today? Yes, uh, in today's episode. I'm going to deal with the theme of politics as uh, the third theme that I identified I would like to ex- draw out in the Chang Tzu. Um, yeah, Ch- Chang Tzu take, takes it as given that we've got some acquaintance with Lao Tzu. So th- this, this, this is why I've kind of done it this way, of drawing out these themes that we've already dealt with and seeing how they differ, perhaps how they develop on what Lao Tzu has said. And... Uh, also because they're kind of absolutely vital themes anyway. I mean, what we did, the first one, we, we looked at doing and non-doing, somewhat in the abstract. In the second one, we, we looked at the practical applications of doing and non-doing in craft and art and creativity and, and Chang Tzu's insights into creativity. Now in this third one, we're looking at politics. And the fourth one, which we'll do next time, will be about meditation. And then we going to use that structure and, and, and perhaps find some more examples of each of those instances and then we can start to we'll have a, a quite a nice ground and then to branch out into some some other of Chang Tzu's musings now this one as I say on, on the subject of politics and I, I kind of lighted on this because I thought that it, it it resonates quite strongly with classical anarchism you know, perhaps of a Kropotkin, you know, mutual aid style of thought um, and ideas about social organisation. Now you need to remember that Chang Tzu, like all all philosophers, is 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 either covertly or overtly asking the question, "How should life be lived?" And I would maintain that whenever you ask that question, you have no choice if you're going to be a little bit Taoist <laughs> in treating the question both collectively and individually. So it's a question that's both about psychology, about ways of being in the world as a psyche, ways of comporting yourself to the fact that you are alive and and moving around and conducting your business, of living in a society, in a collection of other human beings who are arranged in some kind of functional unity called a society or a, or a community or a village or a state if you want to use Plato's language uh, on the one on the one hand how to be as a person how to comport yourself as a human being to life and on the other hand how should life be lived means how do we organize society so that we can live the good life which of course then throws up the question well what is the good life and philosophy is haunted by all of this even the most abstract kind of stuff about mathematical logic at some level this question of how, how, how life should be lived is silently operating even in as I say the most abstract refining of mathematical logic because why would you refine mathematical logic other than because you're a mathematical logic geek well you would refine it because you, you at some level you, you're going to be intuiting that that, that you are refining and making more powerful a tool of human understanding, 
which cannot be a bad thing if we as a species are to flourish you know there's a way in which this haunting is is is, is truly a, a, a unavoidable i would say once you're aware of it as well you see it, you see it you know okay so I'll re the, the one i've selected it's it's quite funny i think i think this is chancellor's humor and it's called cracking the safe and just for completion it's numbered section nine subsection two that's the reference that I've got. And I'm using, as I mentioned before, Thomas Merton, The Way of Chansey. And I shall read it. Cracking the safe. For security against robbers who snatch purses, rifle luggage and crack safes, one must fasten all property with rope, lock it up with locks, bolt it with bolts. This, for property owners, is elementary good sense. But when a strong thief comes along, he picks up the whole lot, puts it on his back, and goes on his way with only one fear that the ropes, the locks, and the bolts may give way. Thus, what the world calls good business is only a way to gather up the loot, pack it, make it secure in one convenient load for the more enterprising thieves. <laughs> yeah. Who is there among those called smart who does not spend his time amassing loot for a bigger robber than himself? And then there's another section. It's split up into sections. So section two. In the land of Key, from village to village, you could hear cocks crowing, dogs barking, fishermen cast their nets. Ploughmen ploughed the wide fields, everything was neatly marked out by boundary lines. For 500 square miles there were temples for ancestors, altars for field gods and corn spirits. Every canton, county and district was run according to the laws and statutes. Until one morning... The Attorney General, Chen Kang Tzu, did away with the King and took over the whole state. Was he content to steal the land? No. He also took over the laws and statutes at the same time, and all the lawyers with them, not to mention the police. They all formed part of the same package. Of course, People called Kang Tzu a robber, but they left him alone till he was happy as the patriarchs. No small state would say a word against him. No large state would make a move in his direction. So for 12 generations, the state of Key belonged to his family. No one interfered with his inalienable rights. Now we have a third and last section. The invention of weights and measures makes robbery easier. Signing contracts, setting seals makes robbery more sure. Teaching love and duty provides a fitting language with which to prove that robbery is really for the general good. The poor man must swing for stealing a belt buckle. But if a rich man steals a whole, a whole state, he is acclaimed 
the Statesman of the Year. Hence, if you want to hear the very best speeches on love, duty, justice, etc, etc. Listen to Statesmen. But when the creek dries up, nothing grows in the valley. When the mound is levelled, the hollow next to it is filled. And when the statesmen and lawyers and preachers of duty disappear, there are no more robberies either, and the world is at peace. Moral. The more you pile up ethical principles and duties and obligations to bring everyone in line, the more you gather loot for a thief like Kang. By ethical argument and moral principle, the greatest crimes are eventually shown to have been necessary and, in fact, a signal benefit to mankind. So, should we have a chat about that and uh, see what uh, see, he was thinking? I must admit, it's not tremendously clear to me right now what, what he means by any of that, so I'm sure you will um, yeah, help well, to make it a bit more clear for well, me I, now. I shall try my best. I say it, it is rather long. It's a lot to kind of hold, you know. And But I think it's, I think it's, fa it's fairly obvious he, he, he doesn't like statesmen. He doesn't <laughs> like government. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like... Well, there was definitely like the echoes of the Tories I, I could hear well, in there, certainly. Uh, well, when I'm, I'm reading that, I was just thinking, oh, that, you know, this, this is the absolute perfect description of our modern world, you know, yeah, our modern economy. Yeah. There's bits of it sound sound a bit like Israel, you know. I suppose it's just the, the, the last <laughs> bit that uh, confused me the most. Yeah. I, was, I was kind of with it up until then, but yeah. let's start at the beginning. Yeah. I think I think what creates a confusion in this is is, is that it it takes like the hoarding of treasure and goods and property, you know, that, that which we are very familiar with in our society. It's characterised by that. That it's that is its main activity. That's what it exists for. So that a very very few people can hoard treasure. <laughs> you know, it's a machine for the few to hoard treasure. Which is extracted from the earth and and the soil, and and from from people's bones and blood and work and toil. Which is extracted from all that because that's what produces the treasure. The treasure doesn't drop from the sky; it's produced by people doing stuff. But we have a system which allows it to allows those goods to be. Um, <laughs> to become the property of a very, 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 very few people. And he's railing against that, and rightly so. And he's, 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 he's portraying, he's portraying uh, statesmen as robbers, as kleptocrats. I mean, this is a description of a, of a modern kleptocratic state. You know. Yeah. For anarchists, that's the, the chief thing that jumps out at them when they kind of survey the political scene and the economic scene. Is that well? Governments do bad things. We have we have yet to find one that hasn't behaved in this way historically. They all do it. You know, they all do it at some point or other. I mean, that they, they vary. Some are less kleptocratic than others. You know, at times, you know, and sometimes they're less kleptocratic than at other times. I mean, it seems, it seems to me that, that the planet is just indulging in an orgy of kleptocracy at the moment. And yeah. this this resonates like hell with me, to be honest with you, just just because of what I'm seeing around me. And uh, But as I say, it throws up, the, uh, throws up this question, 
which is much sharper for us than it was for Chang Tzu. Although it's, uh, well, well, which is, you know, what is the proper stance towards the state? Because on the one hand, we, modern 21st century human beings, are faced with uh, um, global catastrophes in the making that, Ch that Chang Tzu's generation couldn't have made. You know, they, they certainly had their share of catastrophes and genocides and all the rest of it. The earth hasn't changed that much, but there's a lot more of us and, and our technology is a lot more potent and dangerous. And uh, our means of organisation are a lot more, more dangerous and intense. And, and, and we can marshal destructive forces of much, much greater magnitude and do so. Yeah. And for that for that reason, we are we we face we face with catastrophes that, that, as hard as you imagine abolishing the state in every country in the world being the solution. You kind of think, well, global warming, uh, the splitting of the world economy into two, and then perhaps into further fragments, are all matters that can be dealt with by by villages. I think they're, they're matters that will have to be dealt with by some kind of state, you know, some kind, some kind of some kind of focus for the collective force of the of humanity that can act actually in a state-like manner, can exert power on on behalf of everybody, in a focused manner across the globe. But of course, at the same time as imagining that, because you can see no way out of the situation we're in. One is acutely aware of of, of, of how, how governments behave, you know, and how quickly they slip into kleptocracy, and how easily it is to happen. See so what happens here? You've got you've got like a, a a relatively functioning state, but suddenly gets taken over in a coup by the Attorney General, Chen Kansu. He did away with the king and took over the whole state in one sort. That's a coup. She's probably a military coup. You know, or or, they get, or 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 he's got he's got some armed men that go in, kill the palace guards, and kill the king in, while he's in, while he's asleep. That's how you did it in those days. They will still do it like that if they can. Anybody gets in the way, if they can assassinate them, they will. Like like the Saudis did to Khashoggi, you know, or like the um, like the Americans did to the the, the that Iranian Iranian uh, general, you know, that he, visit, he visits Iraq, and while he's visiting Iraq, they they fucking Trump. Took him out with a missile, yeah. Because because the, the opportunity was there, you still get that kind of thing, you know, the palace coup. And uh, of course, this this um, this the, this Kang Tzu was 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 in fact a um, he was a kleptocrat, wasn't he? Because he steals everything, you know. But so he can kind of maintain stealing everything. You know, he can maintain the position that he's put himself in through his, his kleptocratic coup. He uh, he also takes over the police and the judiciary. Are we seeing this now all over the place? Yeah. Uh, you know, what one of the big political struggles in the UK at the UK at the, the, the moment is is that our, that our, 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 is that our far right government is is seeking to. Undo all human rights, all human rights legislation in the UK, which will mean that workers have no protection, the environment has no protection, uh, 
you know, the government won't be obliged to pay sick pay or maternity leave or any of those kind of things. Welfare state can, can be demolished. The NHS can be sold to America, you know. And, but, but things uh, uh, things of that nature and also usurping, usurping the, 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 the function of the Supreme Court, for instance, you know. And this is, this is exactly analogous to what this, 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 this gangster did in the Changsu story here, cracking the safe. He goes in, well, he, he, he takes all the property, but so he can keep it, he has to take over the police and the judiciary and the lawmaking. He makes laws that, puts, that consolidates his position. We're seeing it all around the world. Yeah. Trump did the same thing. He stacks out his Supreme Court with, with, with judges in his own image. Uh, similarly, I mean, in Israel, as we talk about Israel at the, 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 the moment, there were, prior to this genocide that they launched, there were massive demonstrations in Israel because the, the far-right government, Netanyahu, who, who as far as I can see is a card-carrying fascist, uh, tried to change the Israeli constitution, even though it's unwritten, I have to say, but tried to... Um, Similar to what the Tories are trying to do is usurp the Supreme Court, you know, so, so that he wouldn't be bound by some kind of rule of law, that he could just not, not have the hassle of having to pass laws through his very, very divided parliament to then bring the, 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 the Supreme Court into what, what he perhaps believed democratic control or whatever. You know, he just sort of barges in and says, these are stopping me from doing what I want him to do, so I'm going to, I'm going to, Dismantle them, and because the, the 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 more liberal wings of the Israeli public, and there is one apparently, uh, de demonstrating like like there's no tomorrow to stop that from happening. You know, same thing, same thing. You know, in a and it's all part of a kleptocratic move to take over the the entire the biblical lands of Palestine, including the West Bank and Gaza and so forth, completely into into an ethno ethno state. You know, for Jew, for for Jews only. However, you define Jews. So you can see it's happening all around the world, all out, all over the place. You know. I mean, and he makes he makes the point that uh, that once he'd set this thing up, this 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 uh, this, this 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 robber state, this this kleptocracy. Uh, with with himself as dictator, this character uh, Kang Su kept it in the family. It says here for twelve for twelve generations. I mean, this is Bashir Assad, you know, in, in Syria. I mean, why is he in charge of Syria? Why is why is an ophthalmologist from London in charge of Syria? Doctor Doctor Bashar Assad. Yeah, you know, so I tell you why why he was why he's in charge of Syria because his dad was in charge of Syria, right? Well, yeah, actually, we've got something a bit similar here. We, we, who's in charge of us? King Charles III. Why? Oh, because his mom was in charge. Oh, all right. You know, it's that kind of fucking nonsense. You know. But the interesting thing about about this is that uh, <laughs> is, is 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 that this was allowed to happen for twelve, 12 generations. Right. No, nobody, nobody wanted to kind of tackle him from outside, either because they were a small state, 
And if if if, if they upset this this fucking kleptocrat, he's going to come in and fucking lay waste to the country, you know, because he's militarily strong, isn't he? Obviously, it always goes with military strength. This stuff. And if and, and and if a much larger state were to kind of kind kind of challenge him, I mean that that they keep keep a distance also. Uh, as Chiang Su put it here, you know, no small state would say a word against him, and no large state would make a move in his direction. People left him alone because he got it established, made it established solid as soon as he could. Control the law, control lawmaking, control the police, control judiciary, control the military. So the power is consolidated ultimately through coercion, through the force, the police to come and kick your head in or lock you in the cell forever, or the military if push comes to shove, to actually chop down with swords and arrows anyone who, um, anyone who tries to face down the state. You know, even just to protest the state. So all this is very, very, very familiar. But he, 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 he <laughs> Chang Su places all this, I suppose, at the feet of of a kind of, of, of <coughs> the tendency of some human beings to just really, really, really run with that that acquisitive motivation that seems to be. You know, that's probably. In, sitting in every human soul, you know, but some of us choose to develop other aspects of ourselves or pursue other lines of uh, life. Yeah. And a, a lot, of, a lot of what he says about about this is it's very reminiscent of Lao Tzu. In fact, the one, the passage, the second passage, you know, where he's talking about how quiet these these ancient villages were. Where you could hear the cocks crowing and the dogs barking and the fishermen casting their nets. That's more or less almost verbatim out of Lao Tzu, that bit. You know, there's this nostalgia for the golden age when life was simple and bucolic. But the next stage after that is the minute somebody starts hoarding treasure, they're setting up the conditions for robbers. And once you've got the conditions for robbers, well, well not, why, you know, the robbers will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Robbery will become more and more audacious till eventually somebody robs a state, <laughs> yeah. you know, and takes over a country. And we have a dictator. We have a kleptocratic dictator. There is quite an interesting approach to this question of how life should be lived here, particularly on that collective level. And of course, Chang Su's preference is like Socrates, is it, for the city of pigs? It's for the small village where you, you can't even hear the neighbouring village. Lao Tzu says you don't even bother to visit it. You can smell the smoke of the fires and that's it. Why bother? It's all nice and calm and quiet here, you know. So he contrasts that calmness and quietness with the turmoil of, of um, bureaucratised oligarchical states. You know, the, the life is much better in the city of pigs than in the, than in the just city. Life is much better in the tiny village forgotten out in the fucking backcountry than it is in, 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 in the giant metropolis with its weights and measures and its, uh, its laws and rules. You know, of course, the, the, the devil is also, you know, and they're very hyperbolic, but it, it, 
in conjunction with their dislike of, of, of large oligarchical governments, they, they dislike the bureaucratic apparatus that, that such governments put in place, mainly because they, they, they destroy that simplicity. They destroy the simplicity, and that's his, that's his kind of great good. That's his, that's his preferred mode of life. That's his how life should be lived. Now, say it's difficult for us. I mean, I've I've always had a sense all my all my as long as I can kind of remember, as long as I've been a conscious being that governments are pretty fucking crap. Because well, what? Because they boss you around, and nobody in their right mind likes being bossed around, really. I mean, I do understand that there are some psych people who psychologically like to be subservient. I do understand that, and uh, but I think as a as a general rule, people don't like being bossed around and it's right not to like being bossed around even though I think a reasonable person can kind of subvert their own kind of bloody mindedness submerge it put it on one side for a collective project you know in which they might be a foot soldier and perhaps even to even to lead another collective project where they have the expertise but that's but that is where they do organising and 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 exerting some power in the situation. But only there. It's not like in virtue of being being a very good farmer that you should be allowed to run the state. It's not in virtue of being a very good fisherman that you should run the nation's finances. You know. Do you see what I mean? So, so we can have leaders, we can have leadership, but it should be for, for specific purposes and it should expire when the purpose is fit, fulfilled, you know. And when none of us should have any worry about being one of those villagers, you know, living down there in the dust and having, having that kind of small but large life, you know, in a sense, you know. But then, I mean, it's a pretty radical thing to say, and, and as I, I say, I think there are there are difficulties be, uh, between the, the 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 anarchist conception, which perhaps I mean, and I might be doing some anarchist theories to disservice here, but it seems to me that their, their idea is that that the absent the absence of a state and society managing itself through co cooperative activity of all citizens. Um, and that we can do it all at once. We just have a revolution, abolish the state, and then just start organising at ground level. And things like that have kind of happened historically. I know David Graeber, the late David Graeber, was, 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 was full of the initiatives in the, the old Kurdistan. Ro, uh, Rohava, Ro, Ro, Rohava, Rohava, like a kind of an anarchist collective mini-state. Uh, that arose out of all the stuff in Iraq and, and Kurdistan and the, the struggles of the Kurds, Iraq, Turkey, and so forth. And so, so it does happen sometimes, you know. Um, but it seems to me to be a fairly rare, rare occurrence. Not impossible, but fair, fairly rare. And you, you, and you kind of wonder how such a thing could happen with a modern state. It's so complex. We're already, in a sense, lost in this morass of weights and measures and rules and regulations. We're already lost in it. Our society is so complicated now. And consequently, the moral principles and ethical principles needed for us to operate this state, need, needed, needed um, 
which which the state needs to almost impose on the citizens in order to function becomes very very elaborate and burdensome as well so the anarchists say you just get rid of it but the marxist leninists or the marxists say well we see that it's desirable for there to be no state but eventually weirdly the marxists are the gradualists <laughs> the gradualists say because they say well, yeah we have a revolution but we set up a state first a worker state whatever you know, so we can kind of deal with all this stuff. And then eventually, once we've set up all the cooperative mechanisms, once we've simplified, blah, 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 then the state will wither away and we'll have a stateless condition of cooperation between the citizens in order to keep society ticking over. You know, but they said the, 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 I've mentioned this before in podcasts, but the weird thing here is that, this, that both the anarchists and the Marxists have got something in common with the far right, with the, with with... Um, with, with, with the, the, the philosophy of neoliberalism which has been the, the dominant political philosophy since Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan even though no one has been able to thoroughly put it into place you know is, is one of like the, it, it's, it's pure capitalism pure free market capitalism with a minimalist state their, their ideal is, is no state as well but for them, it's not the people cooperating that keeps everything ticking over nicely so we can all live and have electricity and food and, and, and entertainment and, and life and useful things to do and family and friends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, instead, instead of our cooperation doing that, the market does it magically, according to the theories of Hayek and, and, and Friedman, Milton Friedman and so on. Of course, that's a utopia that's never actually existed, but they've tried fucking very hard to put it into place, you know, to the point that we saw how damaging it was to dismantle the state at the time of the, the pandemic. Because by then, our politicians, after 40 years of neoliberalism, hadn't got a clue how to manage an, a, a, a mass emergency. They hadn't got a clue. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why Trump managed to kill a million people nearly. And why we had, was it, what is it, 200,000 in a country this size? You know, because they didn't know how to fucking hack it. Because they lost the culture of state, big state action. So it's, it's a mixed blessing, you know. I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, all my life I've hated the fucking state and I hate arbitrary authority. And I hate the jumped up little littlers that get carried away when they get a little tiny bit of power to direct other people. It's a pathetic syndrome. So I'm with the anarchists, but I think the Marxists are right that if you've got like a modern society like this, that, uh, that, that if the state disappeared overnight, I, I think we might have a bloodbath rather than, 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 a, than um, a cooperative paradise. You know. Now, uh, now Chang is talking at a different time when it was, it was, it was, it was much simpler, yet, yet even he's noticing between his, his kind of bucolic, uh, between his bucolic utopia and modern life of China t two and a half thousand years ago, was still, was, was still a vast difference because society had already become incredibly bureaucratic, incredibly kleptocratic. And, and for reasons which he gives, it's because the, the, you know, he thinks that the temptation to amass 
Mounds and mounds and mounds of treasure, more treasure than you can dispose of, was inevitably going to lead to a kleptocracy through the kind of funny story that he tells us. So, in a sense, he's a, he's a bit like the modern commentators. They all greed's the problem, you know. So they place the problem in like human, human uh, failing, y y human frailty, you know. Which I suppose, in some sense, you, you, you chains of reasoning, reasoning are likely to end up in that place. Because I'm somebody who's wanting to say, well, we look at the system, we look at the economic system. But of course, Chang is actually doing that as well. He is managing to do that because he's saying, because it is about the gold being stolen and and, uh, and how amassing the treasure just 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 is just a massive opportunity for thieves. He also notes something about the way the propaganda works, you know, to keep this stuff going. This is quite good in two and a half pages to be able to do all that. For instance, when he talks about how one of these kleptocrats can easily become get, get hailed as a national hero, you know. I mean, it's the way he puts it. A, a, a poor man must swing for stealing a belt buckle. It's still like that. Yeah, he's still like that, yeah. Yeah. But if a rich man steals a whole state, he's acclaimed the statesman of the year, isn't he? I mean, our great and the good now have been found with their hands in the till. You know, there's, there's, there's by now, like, the mob is getting a bit fucking antsy. Mm. They're sharpening their pitchforks at the very least, I would say. Because it's suddenly, they suddenly realise, well, this, this statesman of the year, this baroness, this baron, this ennobled person, this great and the good of our society, is actually nothing but a... A rather ambitious common thief. Yeah. Yep. And that all the laws and regulations and things that we can't do and things that we can do, which are nobody else's fucking business. Right? Um, will be piled and piled and piled and piled and piled upon us as a condition for maintaining the kleptocratic state. Yeah. And that's something that he objects to as well. He sees the, the amassing of goods as being exactly the same process as the amassing of more and more and more moral principles, more and more um, detailed instructions on how one ought to behave, which of course is the essence of Confucianism. Confucianism's got a, got a, got a, a kind of a correct behaviour or etiquette or set of manners for every fucking possible situation you can imagine in human life. This is how you deal with it. You bow twice, you say thank you, you know. It's, it's, it's like it's like this huge code of manners that governs everything, and this—that's the target of Chang Sui when he's drawing a moral about too many ethical principles, too many rules and regulations, too much etiquette, right? And he said, but uh, you know, and the corollary of that is that there's too much hoarding, and therefore there's robbery, and therefore there's oligarchy, and therefore people, people have their lives constrained by. Nasty motherfuckers, by um, by some kind of pretty unpleasant characters like this Kang Tzu person. So as I said uh, earlier on, I was kind of rolling with everything and going, oh yeah, you know, all all of mm. that makes sense. But then when we came to the last four lines, 
I, f- I felt very confused as to what he what he was meaning there, yeah. as it seemed to be suggesting that actually, um, when the kleptocrats came in and robbed everything, it turned out to be a great good for everyone. Uh, well, I just just uh, do, you want, do you want to go over that because I'm sure yeah. that's not what he meant. Yeah, oh, yeah, I will actually tease tease that out, and uh, it's a good it's a good it's a good thing to tease out actually. I'm going to read that last section there again and, okay. and, and go into a little bit of detail for you there. Uh, the moral of the story, moral, the more you pile up ethical principles and duties and obligations to bring everyone in line, the more you gather loot for a thief like Kang. Right? By ethical argument and moral principle, the greatest crimes are eventually shown to have been necessary and, in fact, a signal benefit to mankind. Ah, uh, so he's being sarcastic, isn't he? Ah, uh, mm. yeah, 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 okay. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly exa- exactly that, you know. I mean, the, po- the point that he's making is that in order to maintain his loot and to gain further loot, Kang, Sunak, <laughs> makes lots and lots and lots of rules and re- regu- regulations about all sorts of minutiae of life in order to preserve the system and enhance the system which enables him to accrue more and more and more and more loot even though he can't spend it in a lifetime nevertheless he will keep, keep hoarding it it's a syndrome you know it's actually a pathology that we're all we're all fucking suffering because of it yeah. It's called neoliberalism, but they got it way back then. Mm. You see, and what they do is they they also justify it. They justify the laws with an ethical principle, and they justify their kleptocracy with an ethical principle. And that ethical principle is something like, oh well, only hardworking families deserve any any rewards, and if you you know this kind of notions, right? There's the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. So the, oh, the, the rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate. So it becomes an ethical principle that society is stratified because God said so, mm-hmm. or the Tao said so, or the Buddha nature said so, or it's the, the great cosmic man which, which, is, which consists of humanity, split ineluctably into castes, into the rich and the poor, the fortunate and the unfortunate by the laws of the universe. This is what he's talking about. And a, a, a theology, ontal theology, all manner of ethics, all manners of law are erected in order to preserve this kleptocratic status quo. You know, and in order for, for people like Kang the Robber to become our leaders and our betters. You know, that's what that's about. And he, he he's outlining the way in which in which because of this all this ethical justification, it can be made to look as though Kang Kang robbing everybody in that initial initial moment of his military coup, right? Um, was 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 for the good of everything, and then we'll ce- we'll celebrate it uh, on on Nation Day every February the fifteenth. Because that was the day that Kang took over, and we'll celebrate it forever with a big. We'll have a day off. We'll march up and down the streets. We'll get all our rockets and stuff, and all of our weapons and our, and our fancy, I don't know, troops with funny hats on horses, and make a big spectacle. 
to say this was the best thing that ever happened because, well, it's justified by God, you know, or Dao, or, or the transcendental signifier, whatever it happens to be, you know. Or they just and managed he, to brainwash the population well, to such are. an extent because yeah. the rich people are in control of the yeah. flow of information that's right. and the suppression of yeah. other information. Yeah. That's, so they can well, make it that's appear it, that's that it. they're I mean, it, it fantastic. Does, I mean, I'm presuming that they didn't have the internet back in 300 BC, <laughs> you know. Um, or there were pro there, there might have been nurse pads. I, 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 I think they were like... W w when the empire was in place, they were like edicts that got sent round to villages and nailed on the wall in the town in the village square you know yeah they still it, had stories and storytellers though didn't they they did they did yeah i mean it's it's obvious i mean he's telling us that 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 that, that, that there was this management of the discourse in favor of the oli of the oligarchy and the status quo he's telling us that but he doesn't tell us what it is mm. you know i mean he tells us that because the moral the mo the ethical arguments and the moral moral principles do take hold in the population in this story so there must be a means of disseminating, disseminating them. One imagines it was all rather slower and, 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 and less frantic and less detailed and crazier than it is now. But nevertheless, there it was, exactly the same thing. We've just learned to do everything bigger and faster, that's all. We're still doing this shit. Yeah. Two and a half thousand years later. And to quote that great, that great politician and stateswoman, Liz Truss, that is a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Cheese. Yeah, cheese. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in it actually, just 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 crammed in. It's almost like it's, it's quite it's quite a it's quite a large and spacious political analysis. That's like a kind of a, a throwaway remark by some bloke, some bloke in the pub, you know, having a little rant on a bar seat over a pint of beer. <laughs> but. It is actually, you know, it is actually rather cogent, you know, it's rather good. It's a shame we're still there. Yeah, we are still, we're, we're there and then some, you know. Yeah. And I suppose there is a plea for, for simplicity and I think uh, a lot of people are making that plea at the moment, you know. And uh, obviously... If they're doing it over the internet, which of course is the medium of, for doing this kind of stuff, for putting out the idea that well maybe life's got a bit too complicated with the smartphones and all the rest of it, you know. And so let's simplify, but 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 yet you know there's there's an amb there's an ambiguity for everybody I'd say who's entertaining that feeling, because many of the benefits of modern life are genuine benefits. Yeah. And we do, we do actually, and uh, as much as you might appreciate Chinese Chinese medicine and all that kind of stuff, do, do, do I have better better medicine than than these guys did? I, I doubt anybody in this society that Chang Tzu is talking about lived lived beyond the age of forty, except a very very few people. Yeah. Things, things like uh, there are many benefits of, of modern life that we're extremely reluctant to give up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't want to be living in any other time, especially as a woman. Well, there you go. You I mean, absolutely. Yeah. A absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that depends on what part of the world as well. 
and yeah. it's still far from ideal in the places where women have made the most advances yeah. against patriarchy. So, you know, they, 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 and I do think we have to face that squarely. We have to identify our own romanticism and that, that, that questioned desire for simplicity. As well as realising that there are a certain degree of simplicity is a very great good. You know, the, the piece that he talks about is a very, very real thing, you know, and it's it's a very, very great good. You know. yeah. And even though the Tao is everywhere and cannot be departed from, for, for us mere mortals who are kind of screwed screwed up with our mental turmoil most of the time we don't notice you know but we have a chance of noticing in the in the in the city of pigs you know yeah. or, or in the village in the, in the village where there aren't all that many rules and regulations because nobody can be asked you know because they're kind of quite happy sitting on the back step in the dust with you know with with some fucking i don't know watching the kids play in the dust you know listening to the laughter of the children of the village what more do we want to do okay folks i hope everyone found that interesting thank you for coming into our yoga room and being here with us today and listening to this and we'll speak to you again soon